This is Crossroads with Clayton King. This is a really special message for me because I'm telling my story of battling grief, grief and depression after the loss of not only 10 family members, but my mom and my dad. I preached this message recently at Transformation Church in the Charlotte, North Carolina area for one of my best friends, Pastor Derwin Gray. This is in a series called Flourish. Believe it or not, you can actually flourish in your walk with Christ through seasons of grief because grief is God's invitation. He's inviting you to invite Him in to that difficult season so you can experience a new depth of His grace and His love. I think this will be a really practical message for you. Let me start off by saying this. We'll look at some scripture and then Derwin asked me if I would tell you some of my story and I want to do that today. Grief is an invitation for God to join you in your weakness. That's a big statement. Grief is an invitation for God to join you in your weakness. In other words, grief can be a good thing even though grief is downstream from something bad. Now think about this, grief is always downstream from a loss. We grieve the death of loved ones. I talked with a man in the lobby after the first service who had recently lost his wife to cancer. That is a loss and downstream from that death is this thing called grief. Ironically, as I'm working on this message this week, I got a phone call on Friday from a church staff member at New Spring where I serve and he told me about a friend of mine who'd been on our safety team for decades who had had a stroke and had been admitted to the hospital, had five more strokes. He said, the family wants you to come immediately and pray with him because the end of his life is imminent. I walked into that waiting room and prayed with his family and then I left and went into his ICU room where he's on a machine to keep him alive. They're gonna take him off that machine in just a few hours. And in that room alone with my friend Randall, I laid my hand on his shoulder and I quoted John chapter 14 where Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that where I go, you can come too. And you know the way to where I'm going. And I said, Randall, I know you can hear me. I know you can't talk. I know you can't respond, but I wanna tell you, go to Jesus, brother. Your reward awaits you. Go to Jesus. Your house is ready. Go to Jesus. He is your treasure. I laid my hands on him, prayed for him. Two hours later, when they took him off of life support, he went to be with Jesus. The reality in life is we grieve all sorts of things. Some of you have had to grieve the loss of a job. Some of you have grieved the loss of a marriage. How about grieving a dream that dies? Something you thought God would do, but God didn't do it the way you prayed for it. We grieve a lot of things. Maybe some of you have been betrayed. I had money embezzled from our nonprofit ministry. I was early in ministry. My wife and I had just gotten married and I had to grieve, not the loss of the money, but the betrayal. You will, go, you will grieve things in life if you live long enough. I love Transformation Church. Every time I come, I'm amazed. We've taken a lot of our inspiration to be a multicultural, multi-generational church from you and from Pastor Derwin and Vicki, good friends that I love dearly. When I come to this church, I love seeing how many young men and women there are at TC for all the young men and women and even for the graduates today that we've honored. Can I say this to you? Grief is coming. 
Nobody gets an exemption. Nobody. You get something better than an exemption. If you're a Christian, you get a companion in your grief. You don't get an exemption from grief. You get a companion in grief. And so when you are going through a season of grief, whether it's someone you've lost that has died, whether it's a job or, or a move or the death of a dream or, or the death of a relationship, your grief is an invitation for God to join you in your weakness. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18. He says this, when the righteous cry for help, remember I said if you're a Christian, you've got a cheat code. That means you're righteous. When a righteous person cries for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Then he says in verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushing spirit. Amen. Amen. I love it. From the mouth of babes. Some of y'all need to get happy like that. Come on. That's a good verse. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. And what does he do? Delivers them out of all their troubles. Pause. It doesn't feel like God does this when you're grieving. It doesn't feel like God's delivering you from all your troubles. Because somebody got COVID and got really sick and God didn't deliver. Somebody lost their job. You prayed for God to help you, but you still lost your job and it feels like God did not deliver. You felt like you had a dream, something God spoke to you. You tried it, it didn't work. You fell flat on your face, you failed. It doesn't feel like God delivered you from all your trouble. But when the psalmist says God will deliver us from all of our trouble, he has an eternal perspective on the goodness of God, not a temporal perspective. So many of us are focused on the here and now when our eyes should be fixed on the eternal kingdom of God the new heaven and the new earth. And I want you to know that God hears your prayer if you call out to him. It's an invitation for God to join you in your weakness. Now, how does God do this? How does God know what it's like to be weak? Because if he's God, he's strong. If he's God, he doesn't feel what we feel. If he's God, he's different than us. But we know because we read the Bible and we study church history and we read the creeds and the confessions that God is Father, Son, and Spirit. That God the Father exists in relationship with God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So we know that God can relate to us in our grief because Jesus grieved because Jesus was fully God and fully man, still fully God and fully man, resurrected, coming again, Jesus was acquainted with every feeling and emotion that we've ever had. Have you been betrayed? Have you been abandoned? Have people lied about you? Have people borne false witness about you? Have you ever been alone? Have you ever been confused? Have you ever cried out to God, rescue me from my situation? If you've done any of those things, welcome to the family of God, so did Jesus. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see that Jesus experienced every emotion. He knows what it's like to be a human because he is. He's human and God at the same time. Not 50-50, 100% God, 100% man. And if that blows your mind, good. That means you understand it. 
because it makes no sense to a human brain, but he's God. I don't want a God that makes sense to me. If I want somebody to make sense to me, all I gotta do is look around me. I see humans like me. I need a God who's bigger, stronger, and smarter than me to save me from the mess I've made with my sin. Jesus understands grief. That's why when you are going through trouble, you call out to the Lord and he hears and he delivers. And why is the Lord close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit? Because Jesus was brokenhearted and Jesus was crushed in spirit. So your grief, instead of being something to avoid, can be something you embrace. I've learned this in my own life. I've learned this the hard way and I've got the scars to prove it. Let me go on to point number two and I'll tell you how I know. The grieving process is both unpredictable and fruitful. The grieving process is both of these things. It is unpredictable and it is fruitful. I tell people now, I've preached so many funerals and lost so many family members. When someone I know loses a loved one, I always tell them, don't try to brace yourself for the grief. The worst thing you can do is try to be tough. Don't try to be tough and strong, be weak. And when you feel like crying, let it go. When you feel like you're getting emotional, go with that feeling. Grief is unpredictable. It's like a wild animal. You never know where it's gonna come from. You never know how it's gonna hit you. I lost 10 family members. Well, actually, yeah, 10 family members in about 11 years. And Derwin asked me if I would share some of this with you. And I'm gonna tell you, what I'm preaching to you today is not something I learned in seminary. I'm preaching to you right now, I believe it with all of my heart. And if you don't believe what I'm telling you, you better believe I believe it because I've lived it. Guess what I've got? I don't need an argument. I got an experience. I got a testimony. I've seen God carry me through the darkest days of depression. I know that God gives me good things when all I can see are good things. But when I really trust in the character of God is when I don't know what he's doing and I can't make sense out of any of it. But in that fertile soil of grief and loss, I, by the Holy Spirit, trust the good gospel of Jesus Christ. And that fruit is born in my life. And it can be born in your life too. Psalm 119, 75 and 76. The psalmist writes this. Now don't miss this because he had learned this through grief. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous. Hold up. I know? We live in a culture that, that likes to be fluid with everything. We're fluid with everything. We don't, well, I, your truth, my truth, their truth. We're fluid about reality. We're fluid about marriage. We're fluid and we like to kind of hover over the top of everything. As a matter of fact, it almost sounds arrogant and ridiculous in America right now for anyone to say, I know, I'm sure, I'm certain. Well, at risk of offending somebody today, can I tell you, I agree with what he's saying here when he says, I know, O oh Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. How did he know it? Because he had experienced it. He had been afflicted. 
This is not fluid, this is fixed. This is not fluid, this is fixed. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Does God afflict us? Because I mean, the wording here makes it sound like he thinks God hurt him on purpose. No, God doesn't hurt us. Let me tell you what God does. God uses the pain and hurt and grief we experience in a broken and fallen world to teach us his ways, to show us he's dependable, to show you that he's trustworthy and to put our eyes on heaven. Whenever I go and do a funeral, whenever I visit a dying person in the hospital, when I comfort a grieving family, I always, 100% of the time, talk about the resurrection. I talk about the resurrection of Lazarus. I talk about the resurrection of the widow's son in name. I talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I talk about my resurrection that one day will happen to me. I'm 50 years old and I feel pretty good for a 50 year old, but my lower back is killing me, y'all. I'm gonna tell you right now, one day I will never ever have to take another a leave, ever. I'm looking forward to it. He says, I know. You can know God's goodness in your grief. You can flourish in his garden of grace, but you gotta give the grief to him. I didn't feel, I'm gonna say this. Let me just get prophetic for a second. I feel like I'm supposed to pause right here, even if I go over my time. I feel like I'm supposed to pause right here and talk to somebody and you're gonna know exactly who you are. You have been mad at God, holding a grudge at God because of a grief of a loss that happened years and years ago. And I'm stopping right now. I'm scrapping my notes and going with the ghost right now. You need to let that thing go and tell God that you're gonna give it to him because you've been holding it against him. He took, you think he took somebody from me. He didn't give me what I prayed for. And, and, and the reason why you're not flourishing in your life right now is because years ago, you've got this spot in your life where you stopped growing spiritually. Your spiritual development stopped because you lost something and you've been mad at God and you haven't fully grieved it. And I'm telling you right now, if you'll just say, God, I know that your rules are righteous. And it is in your faithfulness that you let me be afflicted. If you will just, instead of clenching your fist at God, stop doing this and do this. God, I'm open to you. I'm open to you. I give this to you, God. We'll be back in just a minute to finish this message. But before we do, I wanted to invite you to pray for us and even attend our 26th annual Crossroads Winter Conference. It's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. This is a student event for middle school and high school students. And it's gonna be Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. It's gonna be Friday, January the 12th through Sunday, January the 14th. This is an amazing student weekend, a big conference with thousands of kids from all over the Southeast, and we'd love for you to come. I'll be preaching there, my wife Shari will be there, our son Jacob will be there. Great worship from folks like Charlie Botrago, great speakers, amazing fellowship. It's gonna be awesome. Go to crossroadswinterconference.com for more information, crossroadswinterconference.com, and you can register your students right now for our winter conference this January in Gatlinburg.
I've had to do this even recently in my life. But I, don't, I want you to know that like, it's still kind of tough. Let me tell you about the last two and a half years of my life. Two and a half years ago, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina at one of our campuses at New Spring and had some pain in my back and kept getting worse and worse and worse. One thing led to another. I'm at Roper St. Francis Hospital and they're taking out my gallbladder. My gallbladder was diseased and it died. Out of the clear blue, when I asked the surgeon afterwards, was it something I ate? Was it my diet? Was it my lifestyle? He goes, no, it was all genetic. So that was two and a half years ago. Then about two years ago, my wife began to suffer from endometriosis. And if you know anything, ladies, you know what that is. It's a painful, painful experience and nothing really helps except surgery. And then her dad died of COVID. During, her dad died during COVID. I got COVID three times. My wife and our kids got COVID a couple of times. They were fine. I got COVID. I got sicker from the shots than I did even COVID. It was a horrible, horrible experience. Then my, my 17-year-old son had knee surgery. My 20-year-old son tore his ACL, MCL, and meniscus in the same knee. Had to have major surgery. Now move up to just this past uh, fall. My wife has a hysterectomy. And then five months later, January, on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, she'd been sick all weekend. And she said, um, I don't feel good. Can you get me to the bed? And I'm, I'm literally, I'm helping her walk to the bed. And she collapses in my arms. Never seen this before. Her face turned gray. Like the life went out of her body. Blood pressure dropped to 80 over 40. My wife's appendix burst. Oh, I forgot to tell you the biggest part of the story. My son, Jacob, who's preaching right now, he and I had been in Dallas, Texas. We're coming back, flying home on a Sunday after preaching. Saw 500 salvations that weekend. We're landing in Atlanta, and I kid you not, our plane crashed. I'm not kidding. The Atlanta Hartsfield Airport, we were on CNN, Fox News, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We landed, and our tires exploded. It was so much fun. Once it was over, it was so much fun looking back. Why am I telling you all that? Well, I'm telling you all that to let you know this. I have been through some things and God has proven himself faithful. I love Jesus more now than I've ever loved him. Instead of me using these hard things to deconstruct my faith, I have let these hard things push me deeper into my faith in Jesus. Instead of me asking God why, I'm asking God what? What do you wanna change in me? What do you wanna show me? What do you wanna do in me? And can I end with this last lesson I've learned? When grief won't go away, put it to work. When grief won't go away, put it to work. Grief is a good tool in God's heavenly toolbox. It's fertilizer in his garden of grace. Grief can go to work in your life to show you how to be more like Jesus. Because Jesus is our model. Jesus is our template. Jesus is our example. And we know this from Isaiah 53. A prophecy spoken about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was even born. Here's what Isaiah says. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. 
We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole and he was whipped so that we could be healed. Jesus knows weakness. He is acquainted with grief. And when Jesus went to the cross, beaten, crushed, pierced and whipped for us, that was Jesus going to work. Jesus had work to do to save us. It took a sacrifice for you and I to be saved. We talk a lot about justice in America right now today. Environmental justice and social justice. Can I tell you there is no justice if there is no judge? God is the righteous, holy judge who looks at our sin, but because of the blood of his son, Jesus, when he sees your sin and mine, he sees the blood of Jesus that covers it. And if you're in Christ, Jesus put the work in so you wouldn't have to go to a horrible, terrible place called hell. Yes, I believe in hell only for two reasons. There are only two reasons I believe in hell because Jesus believed in it and the Bible teaches it. You know what else Jesus believed in? The good news of God's grace. You know what else Jesus believed in? Salvation by faith in Jesus. That's what Jesus believed in. That's why he said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life. I've come to give you abundant life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God but through me. Your weakness is not going away. You can't wish it away. You can't pray it away. Can't give it away. Can't run away from your grief. Weakness will be a part of your life. Put that weakness to work. Admit to Jesus, I'm weak in my sin, but I need your salvation. Humble yourself before God today and give that hard thing, that that loss, that depression, that discouragement, that darkness, that anger, that resentment, that issue that you can't let go of. Admit your weakness to Jesus. That's your way into his grace. Just admit that you're not strong. Admit that you need him. Admit that you can't do it on your own. Admit that you need help in your marriage. Admit that you need help raising your kids. Admit you need help at work. That takes weakness, but how strong are you when you come to Jesus with your weakness because he gives you his strength, the blood he shed on the cross to take away the guilt of your sin and my sin. Isn't it so simple and yet so surprising that this biblical concept is true? We are never stronger than when we come to Jesus in our weakness. Weakness is actually the way that we access God's strength. The Bible says it right there on the page. So hey, admit you're weak. It's okay, tell Jesus, he already knows. And when we come to Jesus with our weakness, he dispenses grace to us. He gives it to us liberally. He pours out his strength into our lives. And what greater testimony could we possibly have than to show our coworkers, our friends, our family members that we're weak just like them, that we go through the same things they experience. 
but we don't try to do it in the power of our strength. We do it in the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of the living God. So remember this, your weakness isn't gonna go away, so you might as well put it to work. It is God's way to show you just what he can do. I hope this message has inspired you to get honest with Jesus, to let him know how much you need his strength, and to not ever feel like you have to fake it and pretend you're strong. Let Jesus be the source of your strength. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.